And we are live from the Empire of Lies. It's time for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. And we have a really great show for you today. Our guest in the first hour is a great John Mark Dugan, who will be talking about his experience with Daria Dugina. He's met her, he's interviewed her, he's hung out with her, and he'll be talking with us about that in this first hour. And in the second hour, we're very pleased to announce our guests are Alexander Dugan and Alex Jones. And I'll explain that in a second. But we're also taking your calls, 202-521-1320. But there's not much time to take your calls. So I'll tell you when we'll take your calls. What we're doing is, in about 50 minutes, we go to John Mark Dugan, because he's over in Russia, and it's very late there. So we need to get to him before he falls asleep. Then, the last 50 minutes of the show, we'll be taking your calls. Then, we won't be, because I said we have Alexander Dugan and Alex Jones on, and that's a pre-taped interview from 2015, sorry, 2017, that Alex Jones did with Alexander Dugan and takes up about an hour. So in the second hour, we're going straight to that interview. So you can't call and talk to me. So call at the top, the last 50 minutes of this hour. That's the only time we're taking calls during the show. And if you want to call, the number is 202 521 1320. This is Lee Stranahan, and this is the backstory. Now, I, I'm, I mentioned one of the reasons I'm playing this. Anybody who follows the show regularly knows we've been talking about Dugan for a few months because I got interested in Dugan and looking into him more a little because I see how much BS there is in the media about. Alexander Dugan. So I don't trust the media. Sorry. Sorry if I hurt their feelings. But I don't trust the media. And you'll hear at the beginning of this interview, Alex doesn't either. And I'm going to point out that 2017, another news outlet interviewed Alexander Dugan, the noted Russian philosopher, and did not air that interview. And that journalistic institution was known as CBS News and 60 Minutes. They interviewed Dugan, and they didn't air it. And I'll play a little of that interview tomorrow. But first today, I want you to hear from the man himself what he believes, his philosophy. Because this is a guy who's referred to as Putin's brain or Putin's Rasputin. Now, by the way— I'm deeply offended by that. Obviously, I am Putin's brain. Anybody who listens to the show knows that. So, what's that, Vladimir? I'm fired? Oh, okay. Not. No, no, I wasn't really talking to Vladimir Putin and fired suddenly. But, uh, uh, and I'm very skeptical of that because this is one of Russia's leading public intellectuals. And he is an intellectual, 
a very, very smart guy. And so I decided to look into his ideas. And as you'll hear in the interview with Alex, we've said many times, and I think this proves it, this war is not against Ukrainian people. Unfortunately, the Ukrainian people are suffering because of the bad decisions of the West and the people they assigned as the West, their leaders, the people they installed after a coup, right? So the United States, and it's Ukrainian Independence Day. And so a lot of people in America are saying, but let me point out, Ukraine was never really independent in the last 30 years. And since 2014, when the U.S. overthrew a democratically elected governor, Viktor Yanukovych was in charge of Ukraine, and he'd been elected in an election that was looked into by authorities in Europe, and they said it's fair. Of course, since it's fair, the United States couldn't have that. So they got rid of Yanukovych, and we've assigned the leaders since then. Essentially, Victoria Newland is the leader. But Zelensky, the comedian, the badly dressed, apparently shagged out, and, you know, I've heard coke up. I, I don't know that for sure, but seems logical. Uh, leader of Ukraine, he's not really a leader. He's really just a follower of orders that the U.S. and Great Britain gave him. By the way, Bojo went over to Kiev. All of a sudden, Bojo was in Kiev, Ukraine, for Ukrainian Independence Day. It's 31 years since Ukraine became independent from the Soviet Union. But under the Soviet Union, they weren't, the Ukrainian people were not as abused as under Boris Johnson and the U.S. Now, the woman who's most likely to replace Boris Johnson is Liz Truss. And I'll play you a clip a little later in the show. It's truly frightening. It's horrifying about how thrilled Liz Truss is to drop the bomb. She can't wait to be able to push a button on the nukes. And you'll hear that for yourself. But let me talk, because we only have a couple minutes before John Mark Dugan comes on. The big news domestically is the Biden student loan relief program. In other words, the, the Biden, you paid your loan, you're a sucker program. This is a program for anyone who got student loans and didn't pay them back. By the way, if you paid them back, you get bupkis, bugats, nothing, nothing, not a dime. If you did the right thing and you took out a loan and then you worked hard to pay for it, you don't get anything back. And the Democrats think this will help them. Obviously, it's vote buying. If you wondered what your vote was worth, now you know. $10,000, 20000 if you got a Pell Grant, and it helps you buy your Pell. I don't really know what the hell a Pell Grant is. I'll tell you the other suckers is people like your mechanic and people who have jobs that don't require a college degree, like lots of important jobs that provide things that you use every day. 
if you didn't go to college to get a degree in basket weaving or medieval poetry or whatever, if you got a medieval poetry degree and then for some reason are not being successful in the job market because there's not as many medieval poetry jobs as you assume there would be now, tough, sucker, nothing for you. Now, I the first clip... And let's we get got to get to this quick because we get John Mark Dugan coming up. This is a little hard to hear, but Elizabeth Warren, the Democratic senator from Massachusetts, was approached by a guy and he laid it out personally. I didn't take out a college loan. I just paid for my college. And it was a long time ago that I went. I, I don't know, 40 years. I don't know. I went to college 40 years ago, I guess, but uh, and I paid for it. I get, I'm getting nothing from this program, but he confronted Elizabeth Warren, and she doesn't care, and that's why I wanted to play this for you. So let's play that clip and hear how this is going to affect people who did the right thing and borrowed money and paid it back. Hit it. Also say that I think this will fail to garner votes that the Democrats think it will. They're obviously trying to buy votes, but I think this will piss off more people than it helps. And some people will take the money and then not vote for Biden anyway. That's what's going to happen. But some people will say, remember the Inflation relief package they just passed, that's all wiped out. Any money to help with inflation, this is going to drive us further into debt. And I believe it's also, as I said, a political miscalculation. I do not think, I think the Democrats will go down to the defeat that everybody's expecting from them in November. And let's talk to our great producer, Rod. Rod, do you agree with me that this will actually piss off more people than it helps. Rod, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Lee. And uh, I also agree with your other statement that a lot of people are going to take the money, you know, $10,000 off whatever they owe for, uh, for their federal loans, and they're just going to still not vote for Biden. So he's the, so who's the real sucker here? It's the Democrats. Like you said, they, they think they're going to get garnish all these votes. That's going to help them in the 20, 2020, 2022 midterms. And uh, obviously the 2024 uh, presidential election, but I don't think it's going to do anything. I think it's going to be uh, a whimper. It's just it's a, it's a dud. Now, let's talk about the, the interview that we have. We have an interview that Alex Jones did with Alexander Dugan. And I texted. I found the interview last night and it's fantastic. And it really po- 
underlines the point we've been making. This is a war against the new world order, against globalism, not the Ukrainian people. And this is done, again, way before the war. But you'll hear what Dugan is against, and you'll hear why Alex Jones interviewed him. This is a battle against globalism worldwide, and it's globalism versus you, versus that guy who paid his, who, who worked a double shift while his friends partied and went on vacations, and now Biden's helping them out. And so I'm going to tell you something you may not know about Alex Jones material. And I knew this, but I still texted Alex. Alex Jones's material is all under public domain licensing. In other words, if you have a podcast and you want to interview that Alex did with someone, like whoever, me, whoever, you can use it free of charge. It's public domain. And Alex does that because he thinks getting the information out there is more important than making whatever we make off of you, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. So I wanted to call Alex, though, because I wanted to make sure that he was personally okay with it. And let me point out that Alex Jones loved me. What? Now, I texted Alex Jones, and I said, can we run your interview with Dugan on my radio show on Sputnik tomorrow? And he said, of course, do anything you want. And then he said, love you. And there's a little, now you saw that, right? I think you saw that, right, Rod? The love you from Alex Jones. Yeah. You told me about it. Lee. Yeah. Now I, I think this means more. He also sent me a heart emoji with the love you. There's a little heart emoji that that's, I, I'm obviously not good at love based on my marriage record, but, uh, does that mean more love? Rod, am I right? I think it's I think it's a love for free speech, and you, you know you're you're a free speech advocate, so I think that you know you got a mutual love there. I thought it was my shirts, but okay, I'll go with that. Free speech, sure, okay. But I love Alex too, and I love and respect Alex. And the government is trying to destroy him. These trials against Alex Jones are an attempt to destroy an anti-globalist journalist who's done pioneering work exposing Bohemian Grove and other lease institutions. And by the way, this student loan payback program is a payback to elitists, 100%. This is to benefit elitists at the expense of working people. It's wealth transfer. It's wealth going from the mechanics to the medieval poetry people. And so anyway, we have Alex's permission, blessing, and everything else to play this interview. But when you hear it, you're going to hear what Alexander Dugan believes. And when you hear it, you're going to hear, I don't think he's Putin's brain. I, I don't, but I think he's had some influence on him, but not directly. I've seen no pictures of Putin and Dugan hanging out or anything like that. He's not in the government, but his ideas are so important and you'll hear them for yourself in the next hour. So, uh, and Rod, you've heard the interview, right? Yeah, I heard it, Lee. 
I heard it. Yeah, it's a it's an anti it's a one hundred percent anti globalist. Uh, you, you, people are going to hear it's about fifteen minutes of anti globalism and the fight for the globalists uh, against the globalists. And uh, Alexander Dugan lays it out how he's not Putin's brain, but they think alike, and they they have a kinship of uh, you know wanting Russia to prosper. And let me point out. Uh, I'll say one other thing. Then we'll get to John Mark Dugan. Did you see that on the peacekeeper list, which is Ukrainian kill list, they marked Daria Dugina as liquidated? Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I saw that last night, Lee, and that you know that makes it even more sick of what's going on. Right, and because they're trying to say the peacekeeper list, oh, it's not a kill list. Then why did you bomb someone and then write liquidated on the list? So. That's what's coming up, the interview with John Mark Dugan. And then we'll talk a little bit at the end of the hour. And then we'll just start next hour with this fantastic interview. Alex Jones, anti-globalist journalist who's done so much good work. Alex Jones with Alexander Dugan. You get to listen in your own words. Not my interpretation, not Brian Stelter's interpretation, but direct from the man himself. And I think you'll like what you hear. But we'll talk to you about it tomorrow. And tomorrow I'm going to play what 60 Minutes didn't tell you when they didn't interview. And I'm going to explain what horrible journalists there are at 60 Minutes. Now let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're talking to John Mark Dugan about his memories of Daria Dugina. And all our shows this week, I should point out, are dedicated to Daria because it's such a tragic loss you know as a parent it it makes me want to cry and she seems like she was such a, a smart person but let's talk to someone who met her and interviewed her and hung out with her John Mark Dugan coming up after this break this is the backstory back and joined now on the line by John Mark Dugan, whistleblower, veteran, and now journalist in Russia. Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you guys? Good. It's great to talk to you again, although under bad circumstances. Now, yes. I, I saw the interview yes, you did. You were, I saw you at with Daria at Mariupol, mm-hmm. and we've talked about you being in Mariupol. Was that the first time that you met Daria Dugina? No, I've known her for about uh, two or three years. So now, we were uh, we worked together on many different projects. So let me say, if I say that's horrible, you understand what I mean by that. I mean, for for you, I feel so badly for people who knew her and for for friends with her. Because they're dealing with this, obviously, in a very different way. So I'm sorry for your loss, John. Uh, uh, I'll tell you this. I feel sorry for the people that didn't have the opportunity to meet her. Because she was one of the finest human beings I've ever met. 
Now, I'm going to get gooey for a second in a Christian way. Her father pointed yeah. out that she was a good, good Orthodox girl. And I take some yeah. solace in the fact that she was a believer and that she was a Christian and that although she has perished from this earth, hopefully she's moving on to someplace better. And do you think she would appreciate that sentiment, John Mark? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And just for the record, she still owes me a beer. And when I get up there one day, I hope to have it with her. No, I don't know if if I make it up to the same place that she is. But we're breaking news from Poland. This is a polka. In heaven, there is no beer. Sorry. Oh, That's no. a, a polka. Wow. You know that, that that polka? It's a song. No, I, I don't know this. I don't I don't know it. But uh it's if there's no if a, you look it up, it's actually a song that in heaven there is no beer. Oh really? I, I did not know that. Well if that's the case, then I guess she's off the hook. Well, I, I grew up in Massachusetts near one of the towns that has the most Polish people in America, Chicopee, Massachusetts. And so there was lots of Polish polka shows that would play on Saturday morning where I lived. So I heard more polka than a child should. But uh, now, so talk about how you met Daria. Um, So I belong to a geopolitical group and uh, we have kind of the same circles. Um, And... um, you know, I, I kind of have a specialty with IT and video. And uh, so we actually work together on several different projects. So, yeah. And and I've seen some interviews with her. She's obviously very intelligent. And she really knows. She was talking about the stuff her father talks about. Plato and the Platonic uh, effect on politics. And... Did she talk about intellectual stuff like that often? Um, she did. She did. She was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, you guys know this, but she has her uh, PhD in philosophy as well. And um, she was writing a book. The book hasn't come out yet, but uh, hopefully it will be published posthumously. Um but uh, she is in her her bandwidth, uh, her brain bandwidth, as I call it, is just was just so vast. And um, I, I have to admit that I, I felt kind of uh, stupid talking to her because because she talked about stuff that, uh, you know, I, I just didn't comprehend. Um, uh, but she was she was brilliant. And, you know, to see what the uh, media the Western media is reporting about her and her father. Uh, it's really disgusting because these are some of the best people I've ever known. Um, they do not advocate for violence. And even even in her death, um, Alexander said that uh, uh, retaliation and retru- retribution is too petty, uh, that, that we must be above it. And, uh, you know, we can only strive for victory. And I mean, I, I can't I can't even have I, I can't even comprehend having that kind of moral 
standing uh, or, or being that grounded. Because, I mean, if that was my child, I'd, I, I would absolutely just be like, yeah, retaliation, let's do it. Now, she also often talked in interviews, I saw this, about a subject that her father talks about a lot, which is the multipolar world. And yes. she view, she obviously viewed this military action by Russia as part of a fight against the idea of a multi a, a, a unipolar world. And it's not just a That's unipolar correct. world. And when I see people from America often deal with this, they're so into the idea of a unipolar world that the U.S. runs. They don't seem to understand. But I've heard Alexander say this. I've heard Putin say it. And I've heard her say it. Have you heard this from her? What they want, this is not a, a battle to make a unipolar world that Russia controls. This is not the Russians fighting to control the unipolar world, right? This is a world that no one country dominates. Am I correct? Absolutely. Is that what you believe in? You are absolutely yeah. correct. And this is this is uh, this is their belief system. And I agree. I, I um, you know, a- after uh, reading reading uh, some of the stuff that uh, Alexander Dugan wrote and sp- speaking to Daria, I mean, you know, every country should put its own interests first. Okay. Um, and especially on the other side of the world, okay, the interests of one country are vastly different from the interests of another country. And I mean, you look at all the different neighbors that Russia has, you know, you have the Muslims to the south, you have the the Chinese to the southeast, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, your your interests are vastly different than say, America, who has Canadians to the north and Mexicans to the south. I mean, the the goals and objectives and interests are absolutely completely different. And every country has the right to be in control of themselves. And I think that's why, because I've seen journalists who can listen to a statement by Dugan. I'm thinking of Leslie Stahl from CCMS, and he'll say in an interview, we do not want a world that one country dominates. And then she'll say, well, why do you want Russia to dominate? Do you know what I mean? It's completely ignoring what he said. It's it's absolutely insane. And so. and uh, again, I have heard Putin say it. And he says he's in favor of not the new world order, but the fair world order. And yeah, I think that's really yeah. where the battle space is here. Do you agree, John? I do. I do. And, um, you know, now we're at a very critical point. And I I agree with you, John, because you you don't live in the U.S. anymore and you had to leave under tough circumstances. But do you still love America, the idea of America and the values that it stood for at one point? Do you still have that in your heart? heart? Absolutely. With all my heart. The idea of America is incredible. It's uh, it's the most beautiful idea that has ever come from a country. Um, but where America is now, it's just fallen so far from that, that uh, America is unrecognizable from that idea. And I've heard this about Putin. 
I've heard this about Putin and Edward Snowden, for instance, mm-hmm. that Putin actually somewhat disapproved of Snowden because of what Snowden did. He wouldn't want someone who's Russian to do that to their country. I think Putin would not, and Dugan, I think, would not respect you, John, if you said, no, no, I hate America, because it's your country. Do you agree with me on that, that these are people who value patriotism and value loyalty? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, not that I think that what Snowden did was uh, so bad, um, because I think that he saw the United States going in a very, very bad direction. And no, he I, felt the need I agree to with you. bring this forward. So, but I can see um, where a guy like Putin I, I, would would be a little uncomfortable with that. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, you but never still, want to give away your national secrets. But he still saved Snowden's life, and I respect Putin for both those views. I respect him for being a little uncomfortable with it, but helping Snowden nonetheless, right? Yeah. I think that's why he's a good yeah. leader. Now I do too. So, I do too. So what what do we know about the murder of Darya Dugina? Is there any new news? Um, I think I think everybody. Uh, I don't think anything that's public has already been said, and people already know. Uh, it's a. It was a, a lady who who came over. She was living in Darya's building. Um. She had been tracking Daria. She had three different tags on her car. Um, and uh, she was at the festival that uh, evening when, uh, you know, and they have surveillance video of her at the festival. So I think they have a pretty good picture. And people are saying, well, how did they find her so fast? And, you know, I have a friend with the investigation. He said, actually, it was very easy. Because now they have surveillance video of the parking lot, and um, they know they they were able to follow this lady walking uh, from Daria's car back to her car, and then all, all they had to do was run the tags, and they said, "Oh, look, this this car, this lady lived in uh, uh, Daria's building," and they were able to figure everything out from there. And the well, one I- thing. The one thing people are saying, well, how would they get her Ukrainian military ID? Uh, And this is a good question, and the answer is actually very simple. You have to remember, this lady was stationed in Donbass. And, of course, Donbass is pro-Russian now. All the Ukrainian SBU that was in Donbass, they are now part of the Donetsk People Republic. They have all that information. So it was very easy. And it was actually released— with some hacked material that came out a few months ago, did you see see that, John? Uh, what, what, which was what? The, the ID. It they released a bunch of material that was IDs. Someone who who'd hacked it had released it publicly, and so uh, that ID had come out months ago. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Now, John, you've got unique experience because, of course, you served as a cop in Florida, and then you were also in the military, right? That's correct. 
it seems to me that solving this thing is they handle it like a police matter rather than military is shoot first generally and and police have to investigate and it seemed to me you'd investigate this the way you handle any murder you start looking at footage that's available is this in a sense a state you know I think that's part of the way they got her is they were going after her using standard police methods. Do you agree? Yeah. Am I right there, John? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, in, in Russia, they don't have all the red tape for investigations. uh, um, They do in the U S so, so getting surveillance video is a lot easier. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think it was pretty easy to pinpoint the uh, the actual uh, suspect in this investigation. Now, let me ask you to share what's your what's your big biggest happiest memory of Daria. Thinking back on your you, knowing her, when you think back, can you tell us a story that illustrates what kind of person she was and that keeps coming up? Because I'm sure it's been plaguing your thoughts in the past few days. Actually, there's a memory that just popped into my head. Um, when we were on the trip for the Dumbass, right, we got these military meals. And um, she kept giving away all of her, her um, like the meat, the meat from the meal. Uh to different people on the bus that were hungry. And uh, I said, well, here, you can have mine, right? I said that to her. And she's like, oh, she's like, no, um, me and uh, the the guy that was next to her, um, we're vegetarians. Uh, so we, we don't want to, uh, actually, she's not a vegetarian. It, it just happened to be at a time during the Orthodox uh, thing where they couldn't eat meat. Right. Okay. Lent yeah. or something. And uh, yeah. So, so she was giving away all her food. She was feeding the dogs, uh, with like the liver pate. And, um, she, she was so nice about it. I would have been grouchy. I, I, I don't do well without eating. And, um, so we, we kind of took up a little collection to give her like the vegetables out of our, uh, food <laughs> out of our meals. That was very nice. It was just, yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was fun. Now let's talk about how this. Now let's talk about how the special military operation is going. I've heard the -hmm. Russians have made major advances in the past few days. What's going on, and specifically around Kherson? I've heard stuff. What have you been hearing about Mm -hmm. how the war is going, John? Uh, I, I've got to be honest with you. I have not paid attention uh, for the for the last three days since uh, Daria has been killed because I, I've been uh, doing stuff for her uh, um, for her friends and, and and I went to her funeral yesterday and it's just been uh, it's been very chaotic and I, I've been I've been on the news a lot. Uh, because everybody wants to comment from the American guy who knew Daria. And uh, I had to look through all my footage to get all, all my clips of Daria for di- different media outlets. 
it, it's really it's been very chaotic for me. And uh, I, I haven't been paying attention to uh, what's been happening there. Yeah. Well, now, can you describe the funeral? What was that like? Well, the security was intense, first of all. Second of all, there were tens of thousands of people that came to pay their respects. And that is no exaggeration. There were tens of thousands of people. And so they were going through like a a long serpentine line. People were waiting for hours to walk by and pay their respects. It was, um, you know, you would think that it was a rock star or like a John Lennon um, who had passed away. I mean, I, you know, she, she, she is a rock star in Russia. Um, and I was, I was absolutely shocked at how many people were there. And it was, it was beautiful. I, I saw Alexander there. I, I shook his hand. I, you know, give my condolences. And uh, you met him before. Oh yeah. Yeah. Many times, many times. Okay. So yeah, John, that that's amazing. And, uh, do you think this will backfire on whoever did? And, uh, you know, again, it's obviously a tragedy and I don't want to downplay that, but in a sense, remember in star Wars, when, Darth Vader killed Obi-Wan. Obi said, I'll be stronger than ever. Is Daria and Alexander stronger than ever? I think more people will be exposed to their ideas. And the idea that's of, of the danger here is globalism and the West liberalism. I think more people than ever will find about, out about what she believes. Do you think that's possible, John? I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right um, in that respect. But as far as anything changing with the special operation, I have to say Russians are very pragmatic, uh, especially the leadership. And they know the direction that they need to go. They are following that course. This is not going to change that. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to do something rash just because of this. They're they're going to follow their plan uh, and they're going to keep pushing forward uh, steadily um, in a um, very strategic manner. Uh, they're not no, going John, to let this dictate anything. I know you have to go, so we're going to let you go, go in a couple of minutes. But let me ask you, when you saw Daria, what was she like with Ukrainians? With other people, women and children, especially, how was she she with people? She has a glow to her and people who were just they were just attracted to her radiance. Um, We would we would go. We were in Mariupol and uh, she was just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what? The way I feel about her, anybody that meets her feels about her. She's just a fantastic woman. And again, sorry for your loss and sorry for Alexander Dugan's loss. Now, what we're doing next, by the way, uh, 
John, uh-huh. is we're playing an interview yeah. that Alex Jones did in 2017 with Alexander Dugan. And we're playing the whole thing because I want people to hear from Alexander Dugan himself. Do you think that's appropriate? I absolutely do. I think it's amazing because uh, I think when, you know, the media calls he and her daughter a fascist and it's disgusting. When you find out what they really stand for, I think most people will absolutely agree with them. I, I do. And I really think it's important that people hear a long, a long-term interview, so they're not hearing a clip, because anybody can mani- mani- manipulate a clip. It's the easiest thing in the world, right? But a long-term yeah. interview, nearly an hour, you'll be able to understand what he thinks, and I think people will be impressed by Dugan and will understand yeah. why he's an important thinker. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and. Um, and by the way, I just want to tell you, um, when it comes to doing my live streams and my video, I'm about to step up my game. I want to give a little shout out to my friend Olga, who is bringing a bunch of great equipment for, uh, for me. And um, I'm going to be doing a lot more uh, streaming soon. Uh, I'm going to try to do it every day. So I hope to be able to keep in touch with you guys a lot more. And if people go on to YouTube, John Mark Dugan, type in John Mark Dugan Daria, and you'll be able to find it. It's a great interview with her. And it's 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 not formal. It's you guys hanging out, basically, in Mariupol. It's not a sit-down uh, interview. Which which one? Uh, I've interviewed her so many times. The, the one where you've got um, the camera on the stick. Ah, uh, is, is that when we were at the Port of Mariupol on the boat? Yes, exactly. That's what I saw. Yeah. yeah, no, that was a nice one. That was a nice one. So, but I have dozens more that I haven't, uh, that I haven't done anything with. I, I need to. Well, please do. And, and consider compiling them and putting them out as a short film or something. I think that'd be great. And by the way, I, I, here's a video. Here's the video nerd question. What are you getting for equipment? What kind of stuff? Cameras? Oh, or? Uh, I got a mixing board for sound, uh, nice. some additional microphones, uh, because so did you see my did you see my video about how I took a liberal to Donbass? No, it is a viral video now. I took it, a Russian anti-war protester, a liberal to the Donbass, to the front lines with me. Uh, to see if her views were correct uh, and to see if they would change over the two weeks that we were there. And she came as my translator. She's an incredibly brilliant translator. And she did a complete 180 in her views. Um, She understood. Yeah, yeah, you got to watch it. I mean, it's been on, I think, five days. It's got 145,000 views now. You got to watch it. It's called I Took a Liberal Anti-War Protester to the War and This Happened. And that's on my oh. uh, thing. And then I'll so, find it out. I'll post it on my Twitter as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing more collaborations with her because she's such a great translator, uh, a great simultaneous translator. And um, uh, this equipment is absolutely going to help me with that. So... Yeah, you guys are going to be hearing a lot from me.
Well, sounds fun. And obviously, audio is very, very, very important in video. So, yeah, that's great. That's great that you're getting it. And that's one of the hardest things to do in the field is get good audio. But we'll let you go, John, because yeah. it's nearly midnight in Moscow. Is that where you are? Are you yeah. in Ukraine or Russia? Uh, I'm actually traveling south. I'm, uh, I've left Moscow. I'm, uh, uh, I just stopped for this interview and, uh, I'm going to, uh, I, I well, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. I think people want to put, uh, bombs under my car too. So, uh, uh, I'll just tell you that I'm heading south and, uh, I'll leave the rest for a surprise. Well, John, stay safe, obviously. And, you're doing great work over there and important work. And if you talk to anybody, let them know that not everyone in America is brainwashed. There are Americans who listen to this show. And again, let me point out one thing I love about playing the Alex Jones interview with Dugan. We're on AM and uh, FM radio in Washington, D.C. Think about how cool yeah. that is on the radio in Washington. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? I, I was yeah. I was there to hear it. Right. So and uh, so have a safe travels, John Mark Dugan. Thanks for talking to us about this, and we'll let you Thank go now. So for having. Thanks so much, and we'll go to a short break here on the show that brings you the truth that you're not going to find from the Western media. This is the backstory. Back on the backstory, 105.5 FM, AM 1390, in the Empire of Lies. And again, on AM and FM Radio soon, an interview, a long interview that Alex Jones did with Alexander Dugan. Now let's get to your calls, 202-521-1320. Owl Killer, our good, are one of our regular calls, and we always love to talk to Owl Killer. Hey, Al Killer, what's on your mind? Hey, I hope I hope uh, you let Alex uh, know I was the one that brought that interview with uh, Alexander Dugan to your attention. Was it great or what? Yeah. What, what, what should I say? Al Killer told me? Yeah. It no, might be, no, it'll, it'll might probably, be confusing. Yeah, so, um, you know something? And I, what I wanted to say yesterday, Hey, you got we got cut a little short because uh, I brought up the Matt Drudge thing. Jason Goodman brought up a phenomenal point um, that with all the information coming out, um, especially since the woman that's alleged to have planted the bomb supposedly rented a um, room or rented an apartment in the same apartment that uh, Alexander uh, Dugan's daughter um, was residing in. Yes, these Bannon's. You know, so God forbid this were to happen, and I, I, I'm just looking for a comparison. If Steve Bannon's daughter were to die, would you take that as a shot at him, or would you take that as a, a message to Trump? Well, yeah, I, I take it as a message to anybody who believes in the, the same things. So, you know, this is difficult for me because I, I work for Sputnik, but I've had two kids. Two of my sons have worked for Sputnik. And I've got to believe they could end up on the peacekeeper list as well as anybody. And in a sense, 
I chose this. You know, I chose to go into journalism. But my sons, who've had good experiences working for Sputnik, and believe a lot of things we believe. But do you understand what I'm saying? I worry that my sons could be killed just like Dari Dugina was killed. No, I, so for, I could definitely... No, I, I understand that. Um, but I actually think because they... Remember they were putting, like, sanctions on Putin's daughters? I honestly... Yes. Like, backing away, taking a look at it, I think that's a... Because, you know, they... they they up until the war happened, they they were all, they were by my celebrities in their own right. The Putin and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. I've got a bet. Owl killer, would you like it if the U.S. killed Vladimir Zelensky's kids in a bomb? Hell no! Bombing the car. It would be disgusting. It would be a disgusting act. Right, and th- that's why I say that's what kids are all. You know, even, even me. Uh, you know, obviously I've had health problems, and I sound a little spazzy on the radio sometimes. But uh, I am deeply committed to what's going on here because this is a battle of a lifetime. And do you know help me understand that, Alexander Dugan? Have you read his book on the fourth political theory at all? Not only have I read it, it was because of that Alex Jones interview that I. That I purchased it, and it's not easy to get in English. It, w- it was not easy. No, it's a very smart book. Yes, and that, and you know, his the fourth. It's basically the fourth way where he's saying that uh, he obviously saw the. It's almost like an Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he's a little more. I, I would. I don't want to say militant, but he's more confrontational than a Solzhenitsyn was. But he saw the evils with communism, and obviously he's going to be against fascism. But what I, I don't, I think he's one of the first people to quantify. I, I think for a while, Russians were like, wait, liberalism is supposed to, like the idea of liberalism, meaning open minded, you know, uh, free speech, um, you know, freedom of the press. They, but what they saw it turn into, because he says liberalism won, it turned into nihilism. And that, and that unfortunately is what, that, that's why. Western ideas scare the hell out of the Middle East, and that's why they don't want anything to do with it. And I think that's why, uh, unfortunately, our, how we brand, how you know, you were the you had a caller on where you you were saying that um, you know you wouldn't you don't see this as capitalism. You know, it's not it's not. We're you're actually bringing up how they like try to make the difference between democratic socialism and socialism. And you know, they'll always bring up that distinction. That's right. why I think Latin American countries, in a sense, because they don't—they don't. What they see is okay. You put dictators in our area, and you call this capitalism. We want the opposite. And I, unfortunately, I, I think our because this really is not free market. This is not capitalism. This is we we have we have we have fascism by the definition of Mussolini, murder of state and corporate powers. I think people that don't really understand run to the other side because what we're marketing as our ideals is it's terrifying and it, you you just see the way that this country whether it's school or the media the movies the tv shows it's straight nihilism it, it's 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 insanity it's it promotes the worst degeneracy, the worst evil. We got to go out, Keller, but thanks for the call. Great call. 
Now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, you'll just hear the interview, Alex Jones and Alexander Dugan, and a very important interview, and I think you'll learn a lot. Then we'll be back at the end of the show to say hi and bye. So let's take a break and then play the interview, Alexander Dugan with the great Alex Jones on The Backstory. historical piece of music but undoubtedly Dr. Alexander Dugan is one of the leading people when it comes to rebirth in Russia and rediscovering the greatness of Russia and humanity itself and creating a pro-human system now I've only read one of his books and and I've read quite a few of his writings over the years and, and well aware who he was even a decade ago tried to get him on but here he is now. I've been on one of his national TV shows that he has in Russia. But, you know, there's so many bios out there, so many things the media says he said. I want him to spend a few minutes about himself first before we get into all these big, huge topics. Because I will cover what the elite believe, or I will cover what some other group believes. And then I'll wake up in the morning and the newspaper will say, Alex Jones believes X, Y, Z, and that's not true. So it's better to directly hear from someone telling you what they actually believe in and what he believes Putin believes in and the type of world system I'm trying to create versus what they're trying to create versus what the globalists are trying to create. And I noticed one of the topics he wanted to get into, we haven't talked beforehand, but he just gave us a few notes here, is post-globalism. Make no mistake, we are post this form of corporate global government. Now, they may fight on for a while, but It's not a boast to say, you can look at all the evidence, they are in major retreat. And I use the allegory or the analogy of 1945 Germany, a few months before the final fall. You know the Nazis are going to fall. The question is, how long will this go on? So we're long past the Stalingrad moment where you know they're going to lose. The globalists, using that analogy, say for Nazis, because they're very similar to it. The problem is, what are they going to do to try to keep power? Well, Soros has doubled the amount of money for rioting. They're training people at universities now to go out and attack the public. They're planning something big. So we'll talk about it all in the next hour. And I'll try to just sit back and uh, let our guest speak because he speaks English. Uh, So, uh, Doctor, thank you so much for coming on. Let's spend a few minutes just on you, what you really stand for, what you really believe, the big movements you've launched that admittedly have uh, reinvigorated Russia and given it faith again uh, in yourselves. The globalists want to suck that out of all of us. And then let's get into who you think Putin really is, who you think Trump is, and this new uh, multipolar world. Thank you, uh, Alex, for your kind presentation. I um, uh, would uh, ex- uh, express my ideas concerning, uh, concerning what is going on in the world with new agenda for United States with Mr. Trump that I support with all my heart. Uh, and so what, we is going, what is going to be to happen with Russia and with Mr. President that I as well support with all my heart. And uh, I think you have uh, put the things very clearly, uh, dear Alex, 
because uh, you have uh, uh, said exactly the truth about my relations with Putin. We defend the same position, we share the same concern, so we are, uh, we are, we, we are loving our people and uh, I am making that on the level of ideas. And Mr. Putin is doing the same acts and steps and the great politics. But there is a, uh, quite a correspondence between uh, that. And I agree, uh, because uh, when I am seeing uh, info wars and when I'm hearing what uh, Alex Jones says, it is not, uh, it is uh, the, the same agenda. I hope that Trump, uh, Mr. Trump, Mr. President Trump, share as well. Uh, and that means the kind, not coincidence, that means the unity of the same position, the sharing of the same values and uh, the same ideas. So that is uh, quite clear. Uh, and we are blamed not because we are bad or, uh, or pretend to be extremists. It is all lie. Because, for example, in my book, Fourth Political Theory, I am criticizing three political theories. Three. All three. I am against liberalism, uh, against globalism. It goes first. I am against communism, and I was always, because I was dissident in the Soviet time, because I didn't, I never share the conventions of communism. I am traditionalist, I am Christian, and I uh, didn't accept this uh, kind of values. I am anti-communist, but at the same time, I am anti-Nazi, anti-Nazi, anti-fascist. Because I didn't share no racism, nor um, uh, brutal corporative state in the sense of um, statism. So, and I'm, I'm always uh, affirming the same thing. I belong to the fourth political theory. And when, when they try to present myself as a kind of extremist or communist or fascist, it is absolute lie. So it's I've actually read your writings. You'll explore each avenue of those and show the problems of how they're all basically failed systems centralized. We have to go back to our primal natures basically. I just know this Trump wants justice and he doesn't want wars with countries that aren't getting in our business and attacking us. He, he can see the real world and see that an alliance with Russia and with European countries and with the UK and with Japan and others against some of the other countries that are trying to expand and actually threatening people's way to go instead of globalists using America as a tool of world domination. That's why they're so mad at Trump. Can we speak specifically, since you bring it up, uh, the post-globalist world, where you think we are? But, but, but first, can you speak then, you know, knowing Putin, obviously, and seeing the distortions in the press, why Vladimir Putin is so popular in Russia and around the world and what he really stands for? Uh, so, uh, my introduction was uh, important because I would like to stress that I am simply a realist, as well as you, Alex, as well as Mr. Trump and Mr. Putin. First of all, realism. Realism doesn't mean nationalism. Realism doesn't mean some ideology. Realism, it is considering the sovereignty of the people, of the nation, as the highest value. 
And that is completely anti-globalist agenda. Exactly, because Trump, Trump's a known realist. You're saying Trump's a realist, you're a realist, I'm a realist. We should, we should celebrate sovereignty and nationalism and cultures and work together and not try to conquer each other. I mean, I mean, what you're saying is just common sense. There's been a sickness of this globalist attempt to conquer all cultures and destroy them. So this is a human right to resist this common enemy. Absolutely. And what is important in this sovereignty, sovereignty, national sovereignty, state sovereignty, is the form to defend identities. The identities can be different. They could, could, uh, could coincide or not coincide. But that doesn't mean necessarily the war or the conflict. We could accept the differences with, in a positive way. Americans and Russians are different. Europeans and Americans and Russians are different. The, uh, the people of the other countries. And we shouldn't have to accept some global system, much less who programs what we're supposed to be. It's not just that we should all, quote, work together. They want us to give up our identity and then take something on. And when you study what we're taking on, it's cultural death. Absolutely. And globalists, they try to make a kind of pacifist dream, uh, uh, killing the country, killing differences. We need to affirm our identities. And that is the way to understand each other, uh, to understand. And that is position of Putin as well. He is not imperialist. He is not fanatic. He has no idea to invade no, no, no country. In fact, I notice how humble he is. He's always saying America is more powerful. Okay, you're great. We just want our right to be here. Uh, and I think that now we, we, we are in the situation where there is not anymore a kind of hostility between our countries. Uh, I, I would say I was anti-Americanist, anti-American during the government of Obama, of Bush, not because I don't like uh, Americans. I was in America once, uh, in Washington, uh, and I, I like America, I, like, uh, I love America. But I uh, hate the globalist agenda. And sure, if America's been conquered by globalists, which we're starting to try to stop, then you have to rally your people through nationalism to defend yourselves. Yes, so uh, I mean, now we understand, everybody in Russia, now we understand that America was hijacked by globalist sect, and Trump is restoring American dignity, and we stop immediately to hate America, immediately, because that wasn't America that we hated before. It was globalist elite, and now we see that half and more, the majority of American population, as well as against this globalist sect, and that makes globalism the problem of each country, each people. We are as well under attack of globalists, as well as you. And we need to be united, uh, conserving our differences. And I think that real, the real multipolarity could lead to cooperation, to the friendship between different countries and different people. And the, but we need, absolutely, we need to fight our common enemy. And before we had a deal, we have dealt with Mr. Soros that tried to uh, overthrow our government, tried to uh, create a, a color revolution in our country. And, 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 and by the way, for new listeners and viewers, because the media is going to grab this and twist it, he brags on CNN he overthrew Ukraine. He brags he's trying to overthrow Russia. He brags he has hundreds of NGOs non-governmental organizations doing that's so crazy then trump says no we're not going to do that and they go you traitor but it's the very same foundations trying to overthrow america this is a global disease 
and Russia threw off the oligarchs that we're trying to throw off, that's the solidarity. And that's why the globalists hate Russia, they hate America, and, and Japan is hungry to throw off the oligarchs. Turkey, I know, you've been, in fact, we should bring this up later, you've been instrumental reaching out to Turkey with a deal with Russia to bring your cultures together and not be played against each other. So I want to talk about the larger geopolitical view, where you think this is going, but absolutely, looking at this, we have a clip from just last week, uh, of or, or this weekend, of uh, Nancy Pelosi saying... She wants to know what Putin's got on Trump. Well, I want to tell her. Trump doesn't want war with people that haven't done anything, plus people that have nuclear weapons, plus he's been advised by top generals that made secret deals that are now public, Cy Hirsch exposed it years after we did, that we made deals to begin taking out radical Islamic jihadists out of Saudi Arabia together and countermanded the globalist plan four and a half years ago. So the beginning of the U.S. revolt didn't start with Trump. It started in our military, in our Christian military, not wanting to openly back al-Qaeda and ISIS. So that's the fissure. And then we started working with Russia. We first reported it four and a half years ago. Uh, people didn't believe it. Now it's mainstream news. And so General Flynn and others are saying Russia wants to work with us. They're not a threat. Let's destroy the EU. It's unelected. It's evil. Let's free Europe. Let's have a bunch of trade. Let's get China under control. And let's actually have real peace. Now, we'll still have our militaries. We'll still have issues. I'm sure we'll still have problems. But we're not going to try to conquer Russia or vice versa. This is ridiculous. The globalists are attacking all our countries, trying to make us all poor. Let's get them off our back. Then if we want to kill each other later, that's our own issue. The point is that globalists are the big enemy. So I want to get your take on what do they have? Let's talk to the guy they call Putin's brain. He's not. He's like, I'm not Trump's brain. We just believe the same things. So we're, we're synced up here. And, and so let's see what uh, the top Democrat in Congress uh, has to say, wanting an FBI investigation of the president. So are you here? Okay. Yes, yes. We'll play that clip in a moment. Uh, go ahead, sir. No, no, we were playing a moment. Uh, go ahead, Alexander. Uh, so uh, my uh, idea is that you are absolutely right. Uh, now you are facing, you American, uh, you are facing the same threat with Soros and the same NGO. So what uh, was um, uh, uh, American, so-called American attack, attack against us? Now you are dealing with the same, the same threat in your country. And I, am, I agree absolutely with you that uh, uh, Russia, we need to understand that Russia is no more communist. We, we couldn't apply the old Cold War cliche, old uh, Cold War uh, models to understanding our new situation. Russia is traditional Christian country as well as America is. And radical Islam supported by globalists is our common enemy. And I think that now what is important in Russia, that we are hearing the voice of the people uh, who die, are dying for our freedom, uh, of the military men, of the people who uh, uh, defend our security. And I think that that is very important for globalists. They are met, met generals, met uh, militarists, and so on. But for us, they are very uh, very high appreciated persons, uh, and I think that that is very important uh, sure. to hear what the people of army says. And because we are losing our guys uh, fighting against radical Islam, I want to talk okay. about that in a moment. And we do have the Pelosi clip now. Sorry, I wasn't clear to throw to it. Uh, here is the leading Democrat saying she wants to know what uh, Putin has on Trump. This is just ridiculous. Here it is.
But let me just go back to part, the first part of uh, uh, the senator's statement. I want to know what the Russians have on Donald Trump. I think we have to have that investigation by the FBI into his financial, personal, and political connections to Russia. Okay. And we want to see his tax returns so we can have truce right. in the relationship between Putin, whom he admires. Uh, uh, but I want to go okay. back to the issue of Democrats. So let me say it again, just so Pelosi uh, uh, understands. And again, this is Pelosi, who's acting very, very senile more and more, and, and just said yesterday that she, she believes that, you know, President Bush is, is, is being bad. Got some very evil people that have put some very senile, brain-damaged, self-centered people, I don't mean that mean, in power because they don't know what they're doing. We also have one of the other top Democrats, Maxine Waters, saying Putin has invaded Korea and Trump is helping him. So you have to understand, folks, this is, this is the same press conference. These are doddering lunatics and i don't mean that mean it's very dangerous and it's got to be dealt with and our military is horrified because quite frankly they've been given orders to launch attacks on russia okay that's where this craziness has gone and it's gotten to the point where the military is saying no we're not committing suicide for the planet but so so there's just a very spoiled evil uh hunchback force that we're trying to kick out of europe and the united states right now not that russia's perfect but at least russia is trying to pull itself free of this face-sucking succubus. Uh, so I want to get your take on that, uh, doctor, and then let's get to this next clip of uh, Maxine Waters saying Putin invaded Korea. Go ahead. Sure, we'll go ahead and play Maxine Waters. Here she is. Is responsible for supplying the bombs uh, that killed innocent children and families in, um, in, um, yeah, in Aleppo. And the fact that uh, he is wrapping his arms around Putin uh, while uh, Putin is continuing uh, to advance uh, into Korea, uh, <laughs> I think that he is leading himself into that kind of position where folks will begin to ask, what are we going to do? And the answer is right, going enough. to be eventually. Yeah, no, overthrow the president. So there's everywhere saying kill Trump. They're all over the newspapers. And let's be clear. Soros bragged on CNN, Fareed Zakaria, that he overthrew with the State Department Ukraine and tried to kill the Russians. Why he has this endless hatred of Russia, maybe you can explain. So anyone who's informed knows that Russia didn't invade Ukraine, but she can't even get it right. She says Korea. I mean, how do we deal with a leadership that is this rotten in the mind? I think that it is, um, uh, that is a very good example of uh, how uh, globalists understand the, the world. For them, Korea or Ukraine or Syria or Aleppo is the same. Uh, it is completely pure illusion. It is virtual for them. And they send American people to, to die in the Near East uh, as in a uh, computer game. They have no responsibility at all for the people. They don't understand the history. They don't know geography. And they are speaking about Putin inviting Korea. That shows how deep their knowledge is about Russia, about Putin, how deep the understanding of geopolitical world of people, of geography. That is characteristic for globalists. They have a huge lack of culture. 
That's right. Uh, lack of culture because they have no culture. They're trying to make us like them. And I've studied Russia some because it's so interesting. Never been there, unfortunately. But Russia had so much land, that was its problem. Russia was never expansionist, sold us Alaska, was a friend of ours in the, in the Civil War until the globalist put the communist, uh, the proto-globalist, out of New York and out of London, admittedly, put the communist in to take over your country and, and exploit it with the same social justice warrior brainwashing America's now going under. Yes, exactly. I, I think that we need to, to a, a little bit to, to make our strategy educational one. Because we, the, if we um, uh, only with very incompetent people, with very stupid audience, the globalist thesis, the globalist speeches uh, could reach their goal. And now Americans have shown that they are not such uh, idiots as globalists think they are. And Americans have chosen what they wanted what they uh, think to be real response of their problems. And now globalists are furious. Alexander Dugan, Dr. Stay there. We're going to come back. This is powerful information. How do we stop the globalists? They're in trouble. But how do we truly make it the end of globalism, post-globalism, straight ahead with a lot of key points? And we're going to open the phones up as well for your question for the man they call Putin's brain. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Jones. Everybody knows I don't promote violence. That's why I don't want senseless war. But radical Islam is really orthodox Wahhabism has been funded for decades by the robber barons, by the globalists. And they've openly flooded Europe with five million. Eastern Europe has an instinct to survive because they dealt with the uh, jihad. The crusade was a response to defeat that with both the orthodox and the Catholic Church battling it. And that's our shared ancestry and history with Russia. And the globalists see any strong sovereign nation as an enemy, especially a Christian nation. And I've talked to top Hollywood producers. I mean, bigger than Chris Carter. I was just out in Los Angeles, and they said, no, it's true. It's totally anti-Christian. There is like a satanic hate of Russia and of the Christian church in America. And now they've got this new pope that's, that, that is definitely antichrist. I don't mean the antichrist, but is an anti-Christian spirit. Says Europe, how, he goes, I get sick at my stomach when I hear about Europe being Christian. Buddy, you say that from behind 100-foot walls while you open the borders up with people that are constantly killing each other in their own countries. There are lots of Muslims that aren't radicals, but the Wahhabis call them heretics. And they are now coming against everybody. And they are the shock troops of this thing. And they're saying Trump can't even execute a law that's already on the books to say that if you're coming from Somalia, a failed state, that there's no proper IDs until we have a system set up that proves they are who they say they are. Until they quit using fake IDs, we're going to block them. That's something every president's done. But now the courts, the media, the Republicans, the Democrats, they all come against him. Alexander Dugan. Uh, author, researcher, launched much of the nationalist uh, or, or sovereignty movements in Russia. Uh, I mean, just an absolute uh, rock star in his own country, demonized and misrepresented uh, here, obviously, in the United States. And I obviously haven't read all his writings. I don't agree with all of or disagree. The point is, is they're saying the Kremlin's candidate. And they're going on to say that Larry King is a Russian agent and Schultz is and, and Jesse Ventura and they go on and some of these things to say, I am. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, during the Cold War, my family was fighting the Russians, okay? It's pure, absolute monarchy because they were under communism. 
But again, it was a manipulation. Trump knows because he sat at the feet of the top advisor to, this is just a history lesson for folks, uh, to Joseph McCarthy. And McCarthy finally went, it's not the Russians. There's an evil global group manipulating both sides. We've got to stop it. And that's when they shut him down. Trump was given all that info when he was like 25 years old. You can actually dig and find New York Times articles about it, about you know, Roy Cohn and all the rest of it. So Trump's got the big picture. So when he was told all this by top generals, they asked him to run a year before the election. They said, sir, you're the man. We know you know all this. And he did it. He did it and he won. This was a military and intelligence coup with the American people. The revolution here was American. How dare the media act like we couldn't do this ourselves and the Russians did it. Of course the Russians cheered it on as they watched the globalists in, in, in Europe, the Vatican, the Saudi Arabians, the communist Chinese, not the Chinese people, but their leadership, all gang up on us and try to stop us getting free like Russia did. But here's the difference. Putin took him a decade to get Russia quasi-free. Trump has been in 17 days, and they're already trying to kill him. So I, I want to speak about the end of globalism or what happens if they kill Trump. Just all the key points that you want to impart to folks about Putin's concerns when you talk to him, where you guys see this going, uh, just all the different angles to this. But it, look, we've come this far with them already wanting to start a war in 2008 and last year. So thank God we've backed the clock, the, the doomsday clock back, I think, a few minutes. Alexander, go ahead. Yes, um, I, I agree um, once more, absolutely with you. That um, now we need to, uh, to 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 think about the future. Uh, first of all, globalists—they uh, remind me of the black periods of my own history, of Soviet history. They uh, the lie is a Stalinist type of type. It is communist Stalinist type of lie. It is completely. Uh, and they try to impose their understanding of the things. They ignore the position of the other. And our fight together for the future world should be based on this uh, defense and affirmation of uh, identity, cultural, religious, spiritual. And we Russians, we want nothing more. We don't want occupy invade anybody we need to secure our borders we need to create our our country safe morally safe and that that's all that's all but we are under constant attack we are not anymore communists we have overthrown communists we are trying to create christian um, normal russian society uh, accepting and uh, respecting the minorities and we are demonized precisely because it works, because it, we could stand the blows from globalists. And now America is in the, a little bit in the same situation. And when they say, globalists, they say that Putin has helped Trump, is lie in the way they uh, try to, uh, uh, to expose that, uh, about all this... Um, uh, all this uh, stupid histories about uh, the hackers and so on and so on. But Putin really has helped Trump, um, uh, showing the example how to defend the realist values, how to defend... Exactly. The way, he sh the way he did it was by leadership and openly putting the ideas out like you've done and I've done. 
and, and, and our ideas defeat globalism because it's about being soulless. And if we just stand up, they can't beat us. So Russia is the example of pulling out of globalism first. And I salute you for that. And now all over the world, from Brexit to Italy to everywhere to Iceland, everybody's pulling out. And they keep saying Russia did it. Russia did it. It's not true that Russia manipulated it, but Russia did lead by example. Absolutely. And uh, I think now the situation is a little bit changed. Very interesting. We're living in an important moment of the human history. Now the initiative to change the world is once more in the hands of Americans, in the hands of Trump. Russia has made a kind of uh, introduction to the change of world order in order to create multipolarity. But now everything all depends on the United States of America, on President Trump, because now he is in a position, he is capable to save the world and people of the world from globalism. And he has begun this, this real spiritual fight. It's not only political fight, it is not only technical or material fight, it is spiritual fight. It is a kind of, uh, and now America is a kind of leader in this war after brexit and after trump uh, presidential election that is a turning point of the history i think now the initiative has passed to you and now you need to make all the efforts because you are, uh, you are in the best situation that uh, you are the first first power in the world and now we uh, we are very, uh, very proud about that. Uh, yesterday, in Obama's time, and the Clinton, possible Clinton perspective, uh, that was a doom for us that you are first. And now it is hope for, hope for us that you are first power in the world. And I, need, I think you need to concentrate, concentrate on the vision of the future. Because in America, there are so many examples of, of the really great, of real greatness uh, before this globalist turn in the last decades. Absolutely. But and and, and uh, Alexander, uh, let me just add this for your listeners. Uh, what's the best website? We have several here for people to visit, to learn more. Tell us about some of your books so people can actually read what you've said instead of what the media says. What are some of the best websites for people to visit of yours? I, I, I think maybe uh, uh, 4PT um, dot uh, com. It says fourth political theory. There are many texts in English or catechon.com where we are publishing our English text. As well in America, I have, uh, they have published uh, some of my books uh, concerning fourth political theory, uh, the book on Heidegger and the book of Putin's uh, geopolitics. Uh, and there are many other books that now are translated. I suggest to people to, to, to try to search something in order to understand better uh, my ideas. And when they, uh, when they read my books, maybe they, uh, they will oppose some points or debate some points. But what is important, we need to think differently. We need to try to open new perspectives to conservative understanding. The conservatism is a kind of lie. It is not repetition of the same truths from the past. No, exactly. Uh, it's always having to like learn learn from the past, but, but, but codify and celebrate men and women together, families, honor, men being strong, people telling the truth, production, lifting society up, not dominating the weak, uh, basically nobility. Yes, exactly. But uh, the roots of the tree 
uh, always growing as well. So tradition is changing as well. And conservative demands a kind of imagination, a kind of view for the future. Exactly, I, because fake liberalism is an attempt to take over the human species. Conservatism is actually the compendium of everything, because what is to conserve, it is just that we are conserving what is good, but we are actually the future. The left claims they are progressive, but only progressive like a cancer. Absolutely, absolutely. You are quite right. The cancer is, 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 is the right name for globalization. They try to repeat the same model, the same uh, gender politics, the same uh, hyper-individualistic attitudes toward human nature. And they destroy the differences. They destroy the, the, the richness of the human life, of the human culture. A absolutely. I mean, they're at war with language, people being individuals. And let me just throw the number out for take a few calls. I forgot to do that. I apologize. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Quick questions for our guests. Uh, and again, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to point something out. I'm not in an intelligence agency. I organically built InfoWars and, you know, did this just off of Americana and, and the list are supporting us. But obviously over the years as we've grown, I mean, we know generals and colonels and CIA people and a lot of famous folks, a lot of undercover people. But let me just say almost the entire CIA, NSA, the branches of the military know what happened to Russia they now know about all the secret documents of how the globalists, the proto-globalists sent over to take over Russia, who was not expansionist, to use Russia as this engine to take over, how that stalled and failed, how Russia's reconstituting. They've got a few people in intelligence agencies that still want to have war with Russia. They believe that's the global domination model and that, you know, they need to prove that Trump's not a Russian, you know, agent by going after Russia. Believe me, uh, if Russia does anything or pulls anything with Trump, it's not going to it's going to be it's going to be quick action. But Trump knows that Russia is not doesn't want to do that. Trump understands with all the top generals advising him, not because they're Russian agents. These generals like like Madison, and others are historians and they read my work, their own research. Uh, they read uh, uh, the uh, doctor's work. They know. OK, they now know the big plan. They're trying to free humanity. This is actually a good group. There's not just evil in the world. So we're in a very, very epic, historic time. Uh, you talk about uh, uh, swamp, the concept of the swamp, uh, Putin as uh, Trump and, and, and the bipolar system. Uh, let's talk more about that and then take some phone calls. Uh, swamp, uh, it appears to be a kind of word used only for the uh, electoral campaign in uh, the United States. But the sense, the meaning of this new political concept is much deeper. And it is quite right word, word, uh, swamp. Because the swamp is the same as globalist system. It is anti-national. It tries to destroy, to penetrate any country. Exactly. It's a blob. You don't know who runs it. It's secret. It's dark. Everything Trump does now, you notice, is out in the light. He shows it all. He's, Absolutely. He's, yeah. And it could operate only in secret. They try to impose their agenda, uh, notwithstanding their uh, acceptance or rejection of the people of the societies. The swamp is absolutely anti-democratic. It is anti-people. Anti and now they have, the swamp has find the world to, uh, to attack, accuse us. They call uh, us uh, populists. So now they understand that they could not use anymore the term as fascist or communist because that is too ridiculous after all this uh, repetition uh, during the Trump's campaign. And now they ha have found the, the, the word, word 
populism. And they accuse us to be populist. Well, we are. Is against populism. But the populist is the, is the man, the person who defends his own people. Exactly. They're calling us populist like it's dirty. Isn't that good? Yeah, absolutely. I, I could. Populist I, means I, the people. Why, you're for the people. I mean, that's how deluded and disconnected they are. And uh, what I can't believe is we were ever conquered by scum like this. Because I guess we don't think evil. We don't think like they do. I, I don't think about screwing people over because I'm strong. I, I have too much honor. But it is really true. We have really been conquered by a bunch of a bunch of jokes, which which really is our fault now. If we know this, if we let them keep dominating. Now they, they, their nature is clear. Uh, when they begin to call us populists, to accuse us uh, to be populists, they show their real nature. They hate people. They are completely anti-democratic. They, uh, they are against Americans, Russians, against as well against Israel, uh, Israel or, or Jews, because they try to destroy any sovereign country. Yeah, let, exactly. Let's go further. It comes out in the WikiLeaks that George Soros on the left wants to overthrow Israel. Whether you love Israel or hate it, Israel's done some bad things, some good things. They want to overthrow it, too. They're Jacobins. They're Illuminists. They, and, and I want to tell you something because they claim you say this, and I'll skip the breaks. We have more time, and then take some calls. It's so important. I grew up, and I'm related to the, you know, the Puritans, folks like that, and, and they were Francis Bacon trying to set up a new Atlantis. But they thought it'd be a new Atlantis of freedom, a new renaissance, a good thing. I understand your earlier writings saying it's the land-based old human Russia versus this new liberalism of the Atlanteans. But all I'm saying is, for me in research, it's actually the people that want to set up new freedoms that are the classic liberals versus the new cancerous Jacobin false 1776. French Revolution is the counterfeit of the new Atlantis versus George Washington and the real Atlantis. He countered the Jacobins, and his writings sound like your writings. So, so maybe the media took you out of context, or, or maybe you're right and I'm wrong, but just— Knowing, you know, that I was basically brought up, it wasn't like a cult or anything, but like we're building the new great world to empower the whole planet. That's America's secret destiny, you know, because I had a lot of family that helped found Texas and other places. It wasn't like it was just known. This is what we do. And we don't want war. We want to fight evil. We want to, you know, free the oppressed. So, so talk about your theory of the Atlantean civilization versus the Russian land-based civilization. Because, hell, Russia, as you know, was pretty much founded by water-based Vikings to a great extent. So I guess, I mean, wouldn't you argue at the end that Russia itself is an Atlantean creation? So, uh, first of all— and and, Oh, just one favor. Your, your thing's a little—and I'm loud, too, because I'm excited like you. J just because there's a little bit of reverb that got worse, just, just don't talk too loud so we can hear you, sir. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I, uh, that is not Russian uh, invention, uh, idea of uh, Atlanticism and uh, um, Eurasianism. Uh, it is um, a Britain a concept of uh, uh, Mr. Um, Francis Bacon. Uh, uh, Mackinder, Mackinder, Spigman, an American tradition of uh, geopolitics. And they uh, made, uh, they made um, identification between Western society as Atlant Atlantis, liberal society, and Eastern society as a society that uh, is based on the collective values. So that is, was more or less so. But um, uh, at the same time, it is geopolitics and uh, when uh, the West acts with such concept, we are uh, obliged to counterpose, to oppose to that.
separatist uh, concept and this imperialism or colonialism of the West, they are our Eurasian response. But now we are going to the new new stage of geopolitics. Now, uh, real ter terms of opposition and geopolitics are the geopolitics of this war against uh, geopolitics of the people. And we need to revise a little bit this geopolitical vision because it is completely authentic. It is uh, that fits absolutely when we have when we're dealing with globalist agenda uh, as a kind sure, of absolutely no. But I get your point that the, the kind of the new Atlantis idea could merge with the British Empire and then end up taking over the world and then say merge it all together. So it kind of is the proto globalism is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Britain's vision of the world was was the, the root, uh, a truth of globalization. And United States of America, United States of America, uh, they opposed to this Britain domination. They opposed, you have opposed... No, they the were, and, and of course the Russians are, I'm not saying they were perfect, but they were opposed to it too, and that's yes, why they were basically taken out. Absolutely, and that is why we were friends with America, because we opposed this globalist agenda and we affirmed the liberty, the freedom for each society to construct, their, to, to create, to, to build their own civilization. And uh, Let me ask you a question. Would it have been better, I'm not saying, because obviously World War II, the Nazis were bad, but if you look at World War I, the British did basically start that. Russia helped defeat the Germans and then got betrayed. Would have been better for history if Russia wouldn't have come in on the side of uh, of England? I think that, uh, that is difficult to, to revise uh, historical aspect. But what is important that after the Second World War, they began, there began a Cold War based on this geopolitical attitude. And uh, United States of America, that was a kind of... Uh, uh, special power, a very, very special power that served very much for the balance of the world. They began to turn into the new instrument of globalists, the new instrument. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt the globalists brag. Why do you, I mean, I'm going to go to some phone calls, sir, and then I got to go at five after. If you do a few extra minutes in the next hour, that'd be great to finish calls. So I want to go to them. But, but clearly the globalists, I try to study what they come out of, but it's just an amalgamation of people that stand for nothing but raw power, and then they see any culture or any honor as a threat to them because they're dishonor. They cannot coexist with any form of goodness. They truly are evil. I don't just demonize my enemy out of hand. It took me decades to come to grips with the fact that we truly face organized evil, and its operating system and its destination is evil, and so that's why it's so scared, and I believe it is being rounded in your gut. Do you think we're going to defeat this system, and what, what tribulations are we going to go through? Then we're going to go some phone calls. Absolutely. You are completely right. And what is important with Trump, the Trump now is changing this course, this direction of 100 years, of last 100 years of American Atlanticist, uh, British imperialist, Tradition. There were very good uh, periods in the uh, last century for America. But um, America, as uh, has said uh, Buchanan, Buchanan, uh, America has won the world, but has lost itself. And that is very tragic. So America uh, stopped to be real America and became instrument for uh, globalist uh, uh, um, 
international, uh, anti That's right. And so we're seeing the rebirth of America just as we're seeing a rebirth of Russia and a rebirth of nation states everywhere. And that's what horrifies them is the sleeper is awakening. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're completely right. And I think now that the, the most important mission, most important mission in the global sense now is in the hands of Donald Trump because he has changed already the, the, the direction of... No, I agree. So what do you think of him working so far? I mean, he is executing every promise he said he would. And when they ask him to attack Putin, when Putin's done nothing to him, he refuses to do it. He refuses to be bullied into it. And so they're trying to organize Trump's death right now. Can you speak to that? Yes, I, 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 but uh, I think that uh, uh, Trump is completely wrong to consider Trump to be a kind of pro-Russian or pro-Putin. It is not, not so. He's pro-American. He is a patriot. He is uh, working only for the interest for uh, his own country, for your country. And that is why he is very close to Putin, because Putin uh, makes exactly the same in the um, situation. And that's what Trump said. He said, I like Putin because he stands up for his country. I'm going to do the same thing. He says Putin's a model. And they get so mad at that. Putin's beat the globalist. Trump wants to beat him. Why shouldn't he be a model? Absolutely. And at the same time, I think that for Trump and for Putin, our national interests uh, are first, uh, must, uh, more important than anything else. And that is why realists with realists could agree. For example, uh, there are so many things that divided uh, Russia and Turkey, and we were on the edge of the new war, and globalists tried to uh, involve us in this uh, uh, war. And when I have discovered that in, with my Turkish friends and Russian friends, we tried to stop this agenda. And you did, you did. You're, in fact, you're credited with that, amazing. I wanna do five more minutes to just a few calls here, but just in closing, Looking at this, um, the average American, I mean, the polls are even better than you see, does not want war with Russia. They see through it. They're sick of it. Um, I'm just really concerned about curveballs, sneak attacks. Just in the last 30 seconds before we go to break, what, what, what tricks do you think the globalists have, though, to try to stop this? So um, I think that um, globalists now, they have changed their, their poll. Before they were uh, in the United States, now they are more in Europe. And I think that now uh, French elections with Marine Le Pen and beyond, uh, and the other... Uh, That's right, they're trying to stop nationalist victories everywhere, populist victories. They're trying to stop the people everywhere. We'll be back in 70 seconds, final segment with Alexander Dugan. Stay with us. Coming to you from the former United States of America, deep in the heart of Texas, it's Alex Jones. I hear people talking bad about the way we have to live here in this country. I'm going to have to get rid of that liner soon. We're taking America back from globalists. And I don't mind them switching sides. And I don't mind them switching sides and standing up for things they believe. But man, when you run down my country. When they're running down my country, man, they're walking on the fighting side. Walking on the fighting side. They say countries themselves are bad. The president wanting to have a border is bad. This has been an amazing interview, a little bit echoey with our guests, but I want to get him back up sometime. Maybe I'm going to mail him an external uh, mic.
different. Uh, but to Alexander Dugan is our guest. Dr. Alexander Dugan is our guest. They say he's the brain of Putin. Obviously, that's not true, but he is an advisor to him. What an amazing time he's given us. We're very, very thankful. I didn't get to a lot of these calls. I apologize. Let's go to a few right now. Let's talk to Hans in Pennsylvania. Hans, you're on the air with our guest. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm the major obstacle to the global to the globalists in taking over America has been uh, the American citizens' right to keep and bear arms. And uh, a good example of the opposite of that is uh, the globalists disarming the countries of Europe. And uh, now that the Muslims have invaded Europe, the men don't even have any means of defending their women or their children, and the the, uh, the Muslims are running wild. And uh, I was wondering if Mr. Putin would consider uh, arming his citizens as well as a, as a, uh, a defense. Yeah, that's right. Putin's uh, now doing pro-family stuff, pro-Christian stuff. And I've heard some of the gun laws have been, have been uh, uh, loosened up. Uh, what about that, Alexander? Arming. Uh, I agree that uh, an American tradition to have arms represents a kind of real dignity of, of, of the man. So I am uh, I'm supporting uh, this um, uh, tradition, to, uh, to a very good tradition, very democratic tradition. Sure, free people are armed. So, so what about Russia? Yes, you could defend not only your dignity, your family, your tradition, your religion, but as well, uh, you could defend democracy. And that is very important. Uh, that is why globalists are against this. They try to uh, uh, unarm uh, American people. But we have different understanding of, uh, of identity. It is not in our tradition to have arms. Much more in our tradition to have, is uh, to have uh, a powerful state with a spiritual leader uh, defending traditional values. It is our, our arm is a little bit different. And I think that in Russia, uh, uh, the real success of Putin is uh, uh, precisely reside in the fact that he loves his own people. He uh, loves Russia. And no, he, he gives them a culture. He makes them feel good again. Great point. Thank you so yes. much, Hans. Jesse, real yes. quick from Texas. Go ahead, Jesse. You're on the air. Okay. Hi, I just wanted to know if... Um, now that uh, we have a new administration that's anti-globalist, and you think it's going to be possible for Mr. Trump and Mr. Putin to work together and actually form a U.S.-Russian relationship, um, unlike any we've ever seen before? And actually, that's a great question. When is this rumored Rocky Avec meeting going to happen, Alexander? Have you heard anything about when the two leaders are going to meet? I think that, that now the relations are already much better already, and we feel that anti-Americanism has vanished in our country. And that is very important, because Putin hears uh, what the people uh, uh, think, and he understands that. And in our relations now, from Russian part, there is the, the end of anti-Americanism that was very, very high. And I think our leaders could make uh, the world, the humanity great again. Sure, let's be clear. Russia could use this, hey, outsiders are against us as a way to control people. But Russia's been very nice about seeing Trump's position and, and trying to make good relations. Uh, Alexander, thank you so much for the time. I hope you'll come back uh, again soon. I'll come back on your show anytime you'd like. Thank you so much and uh, have a great uh, week. Best wishes to all American friends. All right, absolutely. America first, Russia first. 
nations for nations, nations for their people, a revolutionary idea instead of globalist enslavement. And there you go, Alex Jones interviewing Alexander Dugan, a very important and I think prescient interview. Listening, I'll tell you the thing, do you agree with me, Rod, that it, it very predictive of what happened in the future? Because that was 2017, at the beginning of Trump, and did not go as well. But do you know what struck me when he was talking about Pelosi, you know, being senile sounding? And he talked about all people like Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi. And that was before Biden was elected. But I think it's obvious. In fact, they want leaders who don't have all their mental faculties. Does that make sense, Rod? Oh, yeah, for sure, Lee. I mean, I think that's played out very well in present day. I mean, Maxine Water, Nancy Pelosi, um, Jerry Nadler, these people forget where they are. They forget who the last president was. They forget what country to talk about. Maxine says uh, Putin and Russia uh, invaded Korea. You know, I mean, how crazy does that sound? So, uh, yeah, yes. 100%, 100%. And uh, Joe Biden... I mean, if you asked him what his position is, like, hey, are you president, vice president, or senator, you get one of the three answers. Yes, and he's, he's possibly none of them. He's our illegitimate president. And they use democracy, and they lie about it. I told Alex we're playing the interview live, and I'm putting it up on screen if you're watching the video. Alex said, fantastic. So we have, but, but I want to thank Alex Jones for doing such a great interview with Alexander Dugan in 2017. And again, it's tragic circumstances with the loss of his daughter, but the fight goes on and we are the show, the backstory. I'd say we're the number one anti-global show after Alex. I'll give Alex credit. You know, I'll, I'll be fine with being number two, but we do a great radio show here bring you the important issues and the real story on the fights that are going on right now for domination and for a human future. And I think the humanity, caring about people, comes through in that interview. It was a great interview. Now, we have a couple of clips I want to get to. So uh, I, the Chris one is second. What's the first clip we have, Command Central? Okay, so this is a frightening clip. This is Liz Truss at a debate in the UK last night, asked about using nuclear weapons. Now, you can tell she's a little excited when she says this. This is sick and frightening. Hit Liz Truss, or as I'll call her Dr. Strangelove at, I don't know, that's not a good name, but Liz Truss, very dangerous person to be in charge of the UK right now. Hit it. Ushered into a room very privately at number 10 will be laid out in front of you what are called the letters of last resort. Your orders to our Trident boat captain on whether you, Prime Minister Liz Truss, is giving the order to unleash our nuclear weapons. It would mean global annihilation. I won't ask you, would you press the button? You will say yes. But faced with that task, I would feel physically sick. How does that thought make you feel? I think it's an important duty of the Prime Minister. I'm ready to do that. 
Idiots. Stupid limeries. I'm ready to do it. Now, I'll say this. You're morons. The people who applauded there, the people in the audience who applauded that, let me point out what, what happened. First off, Russia has hypersonic missiles. They can hit England in 200 seconds. So what would happen is if England and they would have to do the first strike because Russia is not going to do a first nuclear strike. If England does it, their missiles would be on their way to Russia. By the way, Russia, very big country, England, small country. So while their missiles were on their way to London, to, to Moscow or wherever they're heading, while the British missiles, the nukes were on their way to Russia, Russia would launch their hypersonic missiles. And before the British missiles land in Russia, boom, boom, boom. There goes Manchester, Nottingham, London. Do you agree with me, Rod, that there's no way that England would do well in a nuclear confrontation against Russia if they were stupid enough to start it? Do you agree? Uh, no. Uh, no. I mean, I mean, I do agree. I mean, it's a small country. That's why it's called the United Kingdom, you know, with uh, Scotland and Ireland uh, and all the, just these little islands. And for them, for this woman to think, you know, to talk so fervently about nuclear weapons and then the human seals in the audience clapping it up like she said something that was so powerful. I mean, it just it just shows what the times we're in. And I'll point out my my sons drove bikes across England. My sons could not drive bikes across Russia. It would take them months, but they could get across England in a couple of days. And that happened. So now this next clip, this is Charlie Chris. We had the primaries yesterday, and he's the Democratic nominee for governor challenging Ron DeSantis. I'm, so I, w I want you to hear this because this is an amazing clip. This is bad politics. When you win the nomination, Charlie Crist does not want to win and become governor. Let's play the clips to see what Charlie Crist said to Ron DeSantis supporters. Hit it. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans. Unify with this ticket. But bad Americans. So the idea that you win a nomination and then say, I don't want your vote to to like anybody, basically, that's insane, isn't it, Ron? Yeah, it just goes to what you were saying, that people, these guys these guys or ladies make money just off running. You know, they don't really want to win. And I don't see Charlie Chris. I don't think he thinks he's going to win. So I think he's just banking in on the money. And then he can say, well, I told people not to vote for me. So they listened and they are going to listen. And Ron DeSantis is going to be governor of Florida again if he wants to. Now, I'm hoping he might consider running for president. And the other thing that struck me from the Alex Jones, Alexander Dugan interview is that the reason Trump was not able to succeed is that Vladimir Putin is stronger and smarter than Donald Trump. And I'm going to stick by that, but we'll talk more about tomorrow. This is the Anti-Global Show you want to be listening to. Thanks again to Alex Jones. And we're hopefully going to get Alexander Dugan on the show at some point, because this is a battle. Globalism 
versus you and your family. We'll see you tomorrow on The Backstory.